And we're back. Another episode, Riding the Pine with the Lefty and the Coach, here on a beautiful Tuesday night. Tonight on the show, we're going to talk about the NBA Finals game, the two games that we've seen so far and what's going on next. We'll get on to a little bit of college baseball and the Super Regionals, and then we'll end the night with our top 10 list, the top 10 NBA players to never win an NBA championship, which you can probably guess about six of them just off the top. But starting the night, with the news that has basically dominated the sports world today. And it's been the announcement from the PGA Tour that they are merging with Live Golf and the European Tour, which I think now is called like the DP World Tour, whatever yeah, they're calling, calling it this year. I don't really know, nor do I care. I don't ever watch it because I own it at 4 a.m. in the morning. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of things went into this decision, but I think you can all encapsulate them into one thing. One person, Brooks Kaplan. The PGA Tour is not going to let the, right now, the most marketable star in golf, and you can say Scheffler, and that's great. He's nice. You can say Rom. Yeah, he's he's cool. Brooks Kepka is marketable because he doesn't give a crap and still wins. He has fun and still wins. He just doesn't care and he's that good at golf. But people love it because, like him or not, he is an asshole. You can say what you want, but he's a lovable asshole because he just doesn't care. And I think the PGA Tour probably realized after the PGA, this guy's not going away. Right. This is old Brooks Kepka. This is what we saw from 2018 to 2020. This Brooks Kepka, focused, healthy, and he is an absolute killer four times a year at the majors. Now, he may win other tournaments, but he doesn't really care to. He just wants to win four tournaments a year. And you could have seen this coming, and, and I saw it coming late last year when he won in Jeddah. And, of course, nobody knew because it was on live, and nobody paid attention to it. Why would you? It was on the CW network at, like, 3 a.m., so I don't blame you for not knowing that he won in Jeddah, but – he did. And at that point, you heard it in the press, it heard his post round press conference. He said, I feel healthy again. That should have been the shot to the PGA Tour that, oh crap, this guy's coming and he's, he's back. Um, right. and, and you saw it at Augusta. And they tried to play it off as, oh, the joke, the live guys can only play three rounds of golf. Well, Let's be honest with ourselves. If John Rahm doesn't completely just go bananas on Sunday at Augusta, he, Brooks Kepka is, has won the last two majors, and Liv has won the last three. Because let's go back to 2022 at the British, at St. Andrews, the PGA That's Tour. Tough. Looks like they got the momentum. They're ready to crown Rory as the new Tiger, the new star of the tour. And Cam Smith basically said, hold my beer for the last nine holes and made every putt inside of 85 feet. And he almost made that one. So after they held his beer, he got to chug it out of the uh, claret jug. No, well, he did that after. I think he told him to hold it before. But, <laughs> you know, I, I think right now, if you're a PGA Tour player, you got to feel a little bit betrayed, especially if you're a guy like Hideki Matsuyama. The rumors were Hideki Matsuyama turns down $300 million to go to, to go to live to stay on the PGA Tour because the PGA Tour told everybody, hey, don't leave, don't leave. You know, this is loyalty, trust, and whatever other crap they were peddling that week for why you didn't need to go just take the bag. Right. And now they're going to let all these guys back in. Now, these guys will probably have to pay a fine. I imagine it'll be seven or eight figures. Why does that matter? I got $100 million sitting in the bank. That's like me and you paying a $10 parking ticket. I mean, they just, if you're Rory McIlroy, how do you trust Jay Monahan anymore? Rory probably could have gotten $400, $500 million from Liv. Hiker could have gotten $800 million. Like, how as a tour player can you even trust the PGA Tour, the, the whole tour, much less Jay Monahan at this point? Well, it's interesting you brought up even Hideki Matsuyama because it would have made sense for him being an international player to go play on Liv because Liv was kind of, you know, trying to be the, the world tour. They were trying to be able to play in, you know, every continent of the world. And he probably could have had his own event in Japan 
if you think about it, he's kind of at the status having won a Masters. They could have had a live event in Japan that he could have kind of headlined for sure. Um, I think this is key, though. One thing I was thinking about, a lot of these young guys, a lot of the young guys that even left college to join Liv, who maybe would have never gotten that chance to play in major championships. It sounds like these events are all going to, I guess, kind of be a part of the same world golf ranking. Does that sound right? So I, that's another point I was going to bring up because at this point, if you're the Saudi public investment fund, which funds everything, what do you need live for anymore? You got the PGA tour. Now you got what you ultimately came for. Now you got it. Why, right. why do you need live anymore? I, I don't think you do. I mean, right. are we really going to sit here and say that Chase Kepka needs a PGA tour court. And that's just not a knock at Chase Kepka, but like, I mean, are we going to give him a tour card because he's on live? Right. I mean, where do you draw the line now if you were this new entity, I, I guess, at who gets a tour card? Because it's like you said, these guys who just came straight from college, I mean, are we just going to hand them tour cards because they were just in the right place at the right time? I mean, yeah. heck, everything else for live has worked like that. You were in the right place at the right time. You took the bag, and guess what? You still got everything you wanted. It's just going to be interesting, you know, I, because does, you know, who's, who's even format takes over in this case? Cause, cause you have the team aspect on live. You have the 54 hole aspect on live. You even have the attire aspect, you know, not having to wear pants, not having, uh, you, have, you can wear shorts and stuff. So I'm just saying like golf completely changed in live. You have the team aspect, you have the 54 hole aspect you have. The attire, what, who's, who's kind of, whose side or format do you think will take over within all, you know, all the, the joining of the three tours? So this is, and, and I, I'll have to go listen because I know no, the no laying up guys who, by the way, they need to shut the hell up. Like they have been all on this. We can't go to live. We can't go to live. They're awful. They're terrible. Get over it. You lost. Brando Chambly. You lost. Iman Lynch, you lost. Shut up. No one cares. They took the bag. They won. Get over it. I, 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 but I'll go listen to them, and I'll go listen to Barstool, Dan Rappaport, and, and Riggs, who actually are probably better than those guys because they have been out front of this that, hey, these guys are still good at golf. They didn't lose their ability, but that's a rant. Sorry I got off there. I've just been wanting to say that on some forum, some sort. But back to your question, um, what I guess is going to happen is the PGA is going to have their standalone events. I think you will still see, you know, all these events. I think Liv will have certain standalone events. I think yeah. how it's going to work is kind of like how the European tour works. They're going to have the majors. They'll all collaborate for the majors. They'll all have yeah, membership, yeah, membership different places. Yeah, I think you'll have membership for um the WGC. I think those will now be brought back into the fold for uh the live guys. I think where this gets really interesting is I think the Ryder Cup just got really interesting again. Yeah, it you really know, did. You and the president's cup. Look, the president's cup just got a hundred times better because now you've got a guy like Cam Smith who can play for the Australians. You didn't have right. that six months ago. But right. you know, the Ryder Cup, I mean, the Americans just they basically just won the they basically won the next three Ryder Cups today. You think so? Because they got now you're looking at they have Brooks Gapper back, right. they have Dustin Johnson back. I mean, those two overpower golf courses. Now, Brooks Koepka will have to decide he actually wants to play the Ryder Cup. You know, five events a year might be too much for him. But, you know, maybe he can. Well, we, it was interesting because we were even talking about this way before. Like, think about before the PGA Championship, we were talking about how guys that already won majors and like a PGA champion can always play in the PGA Championship. It didn't matter what tour you were on. It didn't matter what your world golf ranking was. You could have quit golf, to be honest, and still always had that 
automatic invitation, you know, masters, you win it, you get to come back whenever you want to and play. So it's funny. I mean, it's saying the guys that took the money and live who had won majors, they're sitting pretty right now because now they can go back assuming that sounds like they can play in the players championship now with that big purse. They can play in the memorial. They can play in the big events that have the highest purses. Can they play in the FedEx Cup playoffs now? Are they are they? I mean, I would assume Brooks Koepka is almost a shoe in to make it. He's he's yeah. what he so what so that's the interesting thing. From Does this affect I, even even the upcoming playoff? With so all this no, stuff? from what I understand, they are their suspensions. I, or maybe they'll join at the end of 2023. So this season will run regularly. But now I say that now I believe there will be tournaments where those live guys will come play. Yeah. And don't forget like, uh, Bryce think, Shambo. Yeah, I think there will be tournaments. I think there could be some WGC events down the line or a specialty tour event that the tour says, hey, we want to kind of bring all this out this week. Can y'all come? I think right. the interesting thing here is, you know, play with Greg Norman. What's his role now? I think Norman's out. I think I think he's done. I the the guy who and I can't his name escapes me. The new CEO. Not that I could have pronounced it anyways, but um, let me see if I can get it real quick because he um he is was the Norman, was he's the was governor. Greg Norman, was he getting a cut of the live money? Norman? He was the CEO of Live Golf, so I don't know how much I don't know how much you know he was actually getting, but I, I would I don't believe they they think he's not really going to have a role in this. I, I mean, he may stay the quote unquote CEO of Live Golf, but I, I don't believe he's going to have any role going forward in this new entity because the new. CEO of this entity is going to be a guy named Yasir Al-Ramayan, who is the governor of the public investment fund in Saudi Arabia. But, you know, I think one thing that's going to be very interesting here is, so, you know, we see these live guys and they play in this team aspect. It looks funny and it looks fun. I, and I saw something today from Smiley Kaufman. And, you know, Smiley was a member of the infamous SB2K16 trip with Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth and Ricky Fowler. And now everybody's wondering, are we going to have, you know, Tequila GC sponsored by Casamigos at the next live event? But I, I think it'll be interesting to see some of these, uh, some of these PGA guys go play a live event. I mean, what, right. you know, I think that'd be fun to see. You know, could we get maybe a Tiger Rory pairing? You know, for a, or, you know, and, I mean, you could throw me and you on that team, and we probably still had a pretty good chance to win. Um, but, you where know, does that, where does that leave someone like Tiger? Because last year, the British, he spoke so against Liv. I just, I'm saying, I, w- I would love to hear what he, his thoughts are on everything. Um, we know Rory's stance. Rory could not, you know, Rory did not think very highly of the tour. Um, I don't know. It's just going to be interesting um, just to see, you know, what things lead into and what's said in the next couple of days about this. Well, and the last point, the couple of last points I'll bring up on this and we'll move on. You know, I, I think you mentioned, we mentioned Roy, we mentioned Tiger, we mentioned even Matsuyama. I think those guys are going to be compensated by this new entity because you're telling me that, Leo doesn't want to go put a, a tournament in Japan. I think they'd love that. Right. You know, I, I think I think if they went to Hideki Matsuyama and say, hey, look, we'll give you $25 million to go find, get a Japanese team to go play in this live event, I think that'd be great. I mean, right. we know these guys have so much money, they don't care. What's stopping them from offering Rory McIlroy $50 million to right. go field a team and go play in Saudi Arabia? Nothing. Right. $50 million to them is like $5 to me and you. You remember you remember the old uh, one uh, uh, Shell's, wonderful world, Shell's Wonderful World of Golf yeah. events that you take place? And that's, you know, think about all the, like, th- that was kind of the big money games that those guys like Jack Nicholas and Palmer and Ben Hogan and those guys played in. That Those were 
the big sponsored money events where they were earning a lot of their income because they weren't really making it from winning the the normal tournaments. So we're almost maybe even going back down to that road. And we've obviously seen them on uh, Thanksgiving Day. We've had these different tournaments, but I'm talking like those tournaments are fun and all, but they weren't really between you know, obviously they had the other aspect of having another athlete with them from a different sport. What I'm going with is we might come back to have, you know, a Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau winner, winner takes 20 million. You know what I mean? Well, so, I look at it a little bit differently. I look at it as, okay, because I, I don't think Liv's going to have 24 tournaments next year. I don't see that being a possibility. I think Liv will probably stay with 10. Right. But what's stopping the what's stopping the public investment fund from saying, all right, well, we're going to pump one billion dollars into the PGA Tour tournaments next year? It's going to be an extra five million to every tournament, or something like that. Like nothing is stopping them from literally putting these purses where guys are going to win ten, twenty million dollars if you win the tournament. Like what's stopping them from going to Augusta and saying, hey? This year, we're going to give you $20 million. The winner's going to get $5 million this year. Nothing. Nothing. Pretty much own, they, know, they own golf. Yeah, they do. They own golf. They love golf now. And they did. The people, you know, who were involved in live are now the ones who are in charge of every golf world. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is the PGA Tour had a chance two years ago because Liv didn't want this. They wanted to – they wanted this merger two years ago. I think in a perfect world, I think Liv would have just bought the European Tour and the PGA could have had this and this would have been fine. Now, the Saudis own the Tour. They own it. They own golf now. Right. I mean, so interesting. Um, they, you know, I you don't know, know people, people that know those sports, though. Um, this mergers happened in all this mergers happened in football being taken place, you know. So, um, we almost have like Super Bowl, we might have the Super Bowl between the live and tour going forward, don't you think, Rob? I just don't know. I don't know what the Saudis' end goal is here. I don't know if it's if golf is really their end goal or it's something even bigger. You know, I don't know what their next sport to conquer is. Because look, here's the thing: politics. I'm sure there's a political aspect. They have enough money to do it. They, I mean, this fund, realistically, on the low end, has thirty-five billion dollars in it every year. That's enough to buy, like, that's enough to buy a sports league. I mean, what's stopping them from going and buying the NHL tomorrow? Nothing. They have that money. I, I think people don't understand the amount of money these guys have and the amount of money this fund has. Like, it's got the money. If they want to go affect college football, they can go do that. And by the way, while I'm sitting here, I would be remiss not to tell them this. Saudis. I hope you're listening. I'm not asking you to give us a billion. Mississippi State needs $15 million, and we can win a national championship in football. That's like $20 for you. I take it check, direct wire transfer. Doesn't matter. We are not beneath it. I'm just saying. The Saudis are going to start funding SEC football. They already fund Texas A&M. I don't know because that would be funding another one. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Heat's coming your way, land. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I mean, billion dollar, billion dollar club came from. I know exactly where it came from. It came from oil. And guess who has the most oil right now? Saudi Arabia. Yep. So on to the NBA Finals tonight, uh, tonight's podcast brought to you by Rain Total Body Fuel. Whether you're in the office, going to the gym, or on the field, drink Rain. It powers you. 
And it powered me through that first segment when I got off yelling at no laying up and Randall Chambly. But on to the NBA Finals. Some haters. Uh, 12 episodes in, we're going to have some haters. Hey, but that means we have listeners, and that is what I care about. <laughs> There's no such thing as bad publicity. Uh, but, you know, out we're now two games through the NBA Finals. Um, we saw, obviously, you know, the Heat still won, really. I mean, you that, I, I understand still won is not exactly the great thing because they didn't, you know, they didn't snatch victory from the, you know, defeat or victory from the jaw of defeat. They honestly just played better. But, you know, what are kind of your thoughts from two games in? Because, and I'll let you go first because I have a few thoughts on how this series has transpired so far. Well, I'm going to go game uh, game two. Game two, it, it was back to the, the three-point line. Um, I know our last podcast, I said that the, the Heat are going to have to make over 15 threes to win. They make 17 on Sunday night. And they go 17 of 35. Um, to be honest, I think it goes back to just role players. I mean, look how steady their scoring is. We have Struss with 14. He came out hot in that first quarter. Vincent with 23, Adebayo with 21, Butler with 21. I think Kevin Love, even though he he was plus 18, he was only two for nine from the field. But I think his size on Aaron Gordon was a was a bear, was a big impact in that game as well. So, um, and then Duncan Robinson, Duncan Robinson came out in that fourth quarter and scored eight points in a row, uh, hit a big three. Uh, the Nuggets had a lot of trouble guarding that curl action with Duncan Robinson coming off that curl. Um, a lot of miscommunication between Bruce, um, uh, Bruce Bowen or Bruce Brown, right? Um, yeah. Bruce Brown, I said Bruce Bowen. They look alike from uh, the, the Spurs, but Bruce Brown and Christian Brown. So, you know, I just think Miami played a better game. I think they played a uh, from, from, from the first quarter to the fourth quarter, they played a complete game. They executed that two-three zone, got them enough stops in that fourth quarter to help them hold on. Well, and you and I talked about this before the series began. We looked at this, hey, can the Heat get 15, 20 minutes out of Kevin Love? Because I think I said that's a key for them to be able to stay in the series. Because I didn't think they could handle the Nuggets athletically and size-wise if they went small and – that's exactly what they did. They've gotten minutes out of Kevin Love. Obviously, you mentioned the role players. Um, I mean, it's just like some somebody different every night with this team. It's it's whether it's Duncan Robinson coming on in the fourth quarter, whether it's Gabe Vincent who comes out of nowhere to score twenty something points. The more I watch him, I love his game and just his pace and his leadership. He's 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 their point guard. He's their point guard on that team. He runs the show. He does, but I mean, it's just it's it's whether it's him, Caleb Martin, Max Struess, Duncan Robinson. It doesn't matter who it is with this team; they find a way. Somebody steps up every time, and and it's just it's incredible to watch because, you know, really outside. Obviously, I think Jimmy played better there in the fourth quarter. I thought he started attacking a little bit more in game two, but game one won his best game. Game seven wasn't his best game. Game six. Jimmy, get out of my way. I'm going to the goal performance since game three or game two in Boston. Like, this has been incredible because the Heat are getting this done without their arguably best player playing at the level we thought he needed to be playing at for them to steal a game. Now, Bam out of the big shots in that fourth quarter. Remember, he was struggling. Um, I think he was four for 14, and then he hit two shots in a row. That corner three was a big one. He got going a little bit in that fourth quarter. Yeah, he did. He did. I thought he started attacking a little bit more. But it's just – it's incredible that they're, they're still able to do this. And and now you look at this team, they're about to get a piece back. They're about to get a guy in Tyler Hero back, who you and I talked about before the series started. Can he give them 15 minutes? Can he give them 20 minutes? Can he give them 10 points? And that may be the difference in this series right now because I think the Heat have figured something out with, with how to defend Denver. I think they have finally – and this is something you and I talk about a lot of this we talked about before, but 
you know, you gotta let Jokic is gonna go off. It doesn't matter what happens, he's gonna get his. Sunday night he got 41. Right. But that's it, it's it's again, it comes down to can we not let Porter or Gordon or Brown all score 14 or 15 points a game? That's how we know we can beat this these guys. Right. I think the Heat have kind of proven to themselves. Murray had 26 in game one. Murray had 18 in game two. They And then, obviously, Jokic, you talked about his big game, having 41. But I think it kind of goes to show – I know we talked about it before the series started, but taking away Murray, getting him out of his rhythm. If you can hold him under 20, I think if I think I think that's that might be, you know, the route that Coach Spolstra and the Miami Heat take. If we can hold Jamal Murray under 20, we're gonna have a good chance in in both of these games at home in Miami. Because I think we're gonna get we have enough good role players and we have enough talent to, you know, make up, you know, we don't have to have one guy, like I'm just trying to say. There's multiple guys that can show up. You're not relying on just one of your role players to get hot. If Struss isn't making shots, you have Duncan Robinson. If Duncan Robinson isn't making shots, you have Struss. And now you have Tyler Hero coming back in the fold. There's guys there that can pick up slack for someone who maybe isn't having their best game. That's kind of what I'm trying to go at. So do you think the I mean, do you think this is sustainable for the Heat that they're that one guy is going to be able to consistently step up each and every game? Because I'm now of the opinion that I think it is. I think, I think it is. So too. I think them, I think really winning that second game. I think if you if you would have told the Heat, would you rather win the first game or the second? I think they would have said we'd rather win the second game and take that momentum with us going home into back to Miami. I don't. You know, I, I picked I picked the Nuggets in seven, but I could see this potentially being a 3-1, 3-1 deficit for the Nuggets after these two games in Miami, potentially. I'm not at that point yet. I, I think we're going to sit, but I think we're going to see 2-2 headed back to Denver for game five. And, and you know, the series, it's going to hinge on game five. It's going to be what can Miami do because I do believe Miami's going to win one more time in Denver. I do. I think they're going to have to win one more time, whether it be game five or whether it be game seven. But do I think they can do it? Yeah, because I just watched them do it. No teams beating Denver in Denver in these playoffs. And my, we just watched Miami do it with Jimmy Butler not having to go Jimmy Butler for four quarters. Right. It's going to be interesting down the stretch. Um, the more I watch Miami, their depth and just, you know, their system, their system is a problem and for anybody that's playing them. So the more I really watch their depth, you know, become a big factor, you know, I know I'm still picking the Nuggets in seven, but I think the Heat are the favorites to win right now, to win the series. I tend to agree. I do. I tend to agree. And you and I talked about it Sunday night as we were watching the end of the game. But, you know, we've talked all, all, all playoffs about this vaunted 2-3 zone that, uh, that uh, Miami is playing. But, I mean, we saw 1-2-2. We saw 2-2-1. We saw everything possible you could one, three, throw one. at Denver. And they just – yeah, 1-3-1. They were throwing everything possible at Denver that they could. And it's – I mean, Spolster's truly pulling out all the stops right now. Yeah, when they put – so they were putting Jokic at that foul line position and they kind of changed their two guys up top in the zone, two, three. They kind of changed them to a tandem, one guy in front, one guy behind to try to take that middle pass away. You know, it's a lot of things you see college teams do, even high school, middle school type teams do just to take away that middle option, in a, you know, against uh, the zone defense. Um it's going to be interesting. I just I think the three-point line won Miami the last game. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that just – I would say I'm more of an analytic stats person. Um, I do kind of believe in the numbers. Um, and I think that Duncan – or sorry, I think that uh, Duncan Robinson, Struss, Gabe Vincent, Butler in that fourth quarter, they hit enough threes to lead them to victory. Absolutely. And, you know – um, so what? So what is your prediction 
coming out of game four in Miami. As they're headed back to Denver, what do you think the series is at? I'm going to go 3-1. Okay. I'll go 2-2. I'll go 2-2 right now, but, I, I, you know, you could sway me 3-1 as well. Um, it's going to be an interesting game, uh, game, four, uh, game three tomorrow night in Miami, just to see, first off, how many minutes does Tyler Hero play? How much does he play? And how effective he is in those games. In those I don't games. think you play him in game I, – I don't think you play him in game three. I really don't. I think – I think you play. I think you you play your normal rotation. If you win game three, then you sneak him into game four a little bit and see how he responds. Because you got to. I mean, I'm not going to say you have leeway because you still got to go back and play two games in Denver. But I think you keep your rotation the same. I think you. I don't think you throw a. You don't. We don't. We don't need to throw a curveball here. We need to keep throwing the fastballs. We need to keep our. If I'm Coach Spo, I need to keep my lineups the same. We just need to go back home and execute the same way we did in Denver. And we need to keep keep these guys fresh, rotate them in and out, um, win game three. And then I think maybe we could think about letting Hero sneak in, you know, five or six minutes in the first quarter. I'd get him in early and see what he could do. Yeah, I really needed to be in uniform because his uh, his courtside fits have been absolutely horrendous the entire playoffs. So he really needs to be in uniform for Game Three. I don't I care if just want for our next show. Please don't. That's why we're not on video, folks. Al may pull that out. That's uh, we wouldn't be posting that for. Actually, no, I'd definitely post that for video. I'd let everybody see that. But uh, Al will switch. Hey, to you. hey, remember, remember. Uh, any publicity is good publicity, right? Uh, you might that fit might might throw that uh, throw that into a little bit of a tailspin. But regardless, if you want to wear it, hey, more power to you. Uh, kind of switching gears a little bit here to uh, college baseball. We got the super regionals this weekend. Sixteen teams are left. Uh, the SEC has six of those teams. Unfortunately, two of them or four of them. Four of them are playing each other. So um, those matchups, for those who may not know, on Friday we will have South Carolina at Florida, which is going to be an amazing series. You got Duke at Virginia, Oral Roberts at Oregon. That's going to put some butts in the seats. And Indiana State uh, at TCU. Saturday we'll have Bama at Wake Forest. Alabama has been one of the most shocking teams since – their coach got uh, fired for betting on betting against his own team. Texas at Stanford, Kentucky at LSU, and then I think the super the matchup of the super regional: Tennessee at Southern Miss. Tennessee with those Southern Miss fans is going to be incredible. Is that game in? I was in Hattiesburg. Oh my gosh! Hey, you know who? Tennessee's trending kind of like Ole Miss last year a little bit, getting hot at the right time. Yeah, I think there's a couple teams. TCU right now is getting hot at the right time. But uh, Southern Miss, Southern Miss has some good pitching. They're deep. They're deep. Got a deep bullpen. Um, playing at home, they're gonna. That's gonna be a. That's gonna be a heck of a series. And then we have the SEC matchup, the Florida South Carolina matchup. That's gonna be interesting. And then Kentucky, Kentucky LSU. It's going to be – it's going to be – man, I love – obviously, I'm a basketball guy, but I do love some college baseball and the Super Regionals. It's fun. It's going to be a very, very interesting Super Regional. I think, obviously, you know, I think the one question everybody's going to have and everybody's had for about a month now is, you know, can LSU sustain? Everybody knows about Paul Skeens. Everybody knows how good he is. And, look, LSU's going to win game one. If Paul Skeens is pitching LSU's winning. He's been beat once the entire year at South Carolina. He's not losing an Alex Box on Friday or Saturday, whenever they – I think they play – yeah, so they actually will play uh, – they'll play Saturday. 3, 3 p.m., oh, man, I, I know the Cajuns are really upset they're playing at 3. That only gives them, like, what, 96 hours to get good and liquored up? I, I mean, that's just terrible. I, the, they, rum will be, the rum will be pouring out about 6 a.m., Rob. Yeah, 6 a.m. this morning, 
They've already started. <laughs> We're just not giving a full hundred hours to get a Saturday night in Alex box. They're going to be sitting at the top of Death Valley looking onto the baseball field from the top row. Well, so funny enough, you actually can see Alex Box from the That's top of the stadium. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So I'm looking at uh I'm looking at uh LSU when they played Kentucky this year. They swept them. But it was, it was some animosity in that series, if I remember. Yep, 16-6. Oh, no, they lost. Remember, they lost game two. Okay, 13-10. I did not know that. They lost game two, 13-10, and then they only won game three, 7-6. Okay, well, so that's when their pitching kind of started rearing its ugly head, I guess you can say. Um, again, it's not – it's like I was saying. It's not what Skeens is going to do because Skeens is going to do what he does. They're going to win. It's going to be what can Ty Foy do, and if they get to a game three, what can Thatcher Hurd do, and what can that bull, can that bullpen figure it out for, you know, three innings on uh, Sunday? I don't know the answer to that question. I think the home run ball with for Florida and LSU comes into play this weekend. Um, I do, too. I think Florida – I really think Florida may be the team to beat right now. LSU's hit 126 home runs this year, almost well more than double Kentucky. And uh, I think just I think being at home, I just think being at home. I mean, I think college baseball, it's the home team. It's it's tough to beat the home team. Well, and they're in Alex Box, and they're in Baton Rouge, and look. Folks, we've said this before on this podcast. The, the rum's free at the concession. See, <laughs> you know, if you've never been Baton Rouge, go. Go one time because you have to experience an athletic – you have to experience either a baseball game or a football game in that town because it is just on another level. Um, to go to. I'm feeling oh, – That would be a great series. Road trip. And then I would say probably – my three or four players to watch. Um, Jack Caglione for Florida has just been electric all year. He, I think he leads – he either leads the nation in homers. I know he leads the SEC in homers. But he also pitches, and he's a two-way player. He's just an incredible player for Florida. Uh, TCU has the guy who hit two grand slams in back-to-back innings. Richardson, I think, is his name. He's probably going to be a player to watch for – and then for LSU, obviously you have and he hit home runs in that game. Three, yeah, he hit three in the game and then hit one the next day, I think. That's crazy. But then for LSU, you have the likely number one overall pick in Dylan Cruz. Yeah. You have Paul Skeens, who's going to be a top five pick. You have Tommy White, who will be a top ten pick next year. I mean, just all down that lineup, you cannot not get hurt. I mean, whether it's Dylan Cruz, whether it's Tommy White, whether it's Hayden Travinsky, whether it's Trey Morgan or Braden Jobert, it does. And yes, folks, that is actually their name. So they have it's weird names in Cajun country. But do you want to um, go through and pick each series who wins real quick? Yeah, I will. Um, at South Carolina, at Florida, I want to pick South Carolina here, but, but Florida's just playing too well right now. I do have them advancing there. What do you got in that one? I'm going to go Florida. Duke at Virginia. Um, I got Virginia. Brian Brian O'Connor gets back to Omaha. I think they're playing really, really well right now as well. I'm going to go Virginia too. Oral Roberts at Oregon. I'm going to tell you, this Oral Roberts team right now is playing inspired baseball. I know it's at Oregon, but I, I got Oral Roberts. I got the I'm Eagles. Oral Roberts too. I'm not following you, Rob. I promise. Indiana State at TCU. If this game was at Indiana State, I probably still would have picked TCU. TCU is reminding me right now of that Ole Miss team last year that just got hot at the right time. I'm picking them in that one. I'm picking TCU too. Um, I think have enough hitting and just enough pitching to get to Omaha. Bama at Wake Forest. I'm going Bama. Okay, well, I was going to say I'm going to throw a curveball and go Bama. But this Bama team is playing great baseball right now. Um, I still wouldn't be shocked to see Wake Forest win that series being at home. I think they're playing really well. But 
Bama's kind of a good story right now, so I'll roll with Bama. Uh, Texas at Stanford. I'm going Texas. Hook them. I'm going Stanford. I think David Esker gets back to home all. I think they've got enough hitting to keep Texas off balance. Texas also has to go out to the West Coast. It's going to be a tough trip for them. Kentucky at LSU, no shock. I'm picking LSU. I'm not even going to think about it. And then going with the Tigers. And then Tennessee at Southern Miss. I got Tennessee. I'm going I, Tennessee too. I, Chase Dolander, I think, is going to negate any advantage Tanner Hall could give Southern Miss in that first game. And and I just, I you know, Vitello right now is building an absolute monster at Tennessee. I think they're kind of just, I think they kind of felt slighted not getting a regional. They're just kind of on a mission right now. So I got Tennessee. I do too. Who is your pick to win it all at the moment? Well, so my pick to win it all originally was Arkansas, so that worked out real well. Thanks, TCU. Uh, if I had to pick right now, though, it's probably Florida. Okay. I'm going to go LSU. I don't think LSU has the pitching. I just – I don't think LSU has the pitching. So, right now, I'll go Florida. I'm going to go LSU. I don't know. I'm just – something in my gut. Hey, look, they could get it done. I think they have enough enough – Good uh, infielders. I think they have a, enough hitting. I think, you know, a lot of their guys hitting over 300. Well, so. Dylan Cruz is hitting over 400. So, I mean, he's just mashing the ball. But our final segment of the night will be back to a little bit of the NBA player, the top 10 players to never win an NBA title. <laughs> so, this is it's always fun. You know, terrible list for these guys, but regardless. Uh, honorable mention, I did throw him in there, is Steve Nash. You know, those those seven seconds or less of Suns teams were so fun to watch. Man. You know, they I just really were kind of in the wrong era. Steve you know, they, Nash, he's my, like, all – he's my idol, man. Remember that time he got – it's funny, when I saw Steve Nash on the list, you know, it came to uh, my mind, and it always does. And they don't show it enough anymore, but when the he, time got he got beat in the face. <laughs> I was talking about the time he got, like, beat into the scores table. And oh, that that's was- what it was. He got beat in the scores table, and he comes up, and his, his nose is sideways. His bone's coming through his nose, and there's just blood all over his face. A Tyler Hansbro moment. But yeah, that, Tyler, that Hansbro, Tyler Hansbro looks – I don't know. He didn't look as good. Steve Nash looked like a warrior, like a Braveheart moment. Like, I am going to bring my sons to victory. Yeah, he didn't do it. Spoiler alert. He never even made the finals. You know what? Funny story. I did watch Steve Nash in the playoffs one time against the Grizzlies. That was the year we were the eight and they were the one, wasn't it? They yep. us. And we got swept. <laughs> that was a common theme for those early 2000s Grizzlies teams. We'd make the playoffs and then would not win a game. <laughs> then we got swept by the Mavs and like Suns. We win like 53 games and be the eight seed. <laughs> the, the West was so loaded back then. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Everybody was good. It was unreal. So we'll start the list here. Number 10, Chris Paul. Chris Paul is one of the best point guards in the game. I think he's one of the top 10 point guards of all time. He actually has made a finals. He made – and everybody thought they were going to win. They go up 2-0. Everybody's kind of, you know, just feeling this is his time. And Giannis happened. And Giannis happened big time. And, um, you know, you even go back to – that was that 2017 where the Rockets – had the Warriors beat. Had them, they had them beat. Had them 3-2 in six and then had them 3-2 going in game six. And Paul gets injured in game five, if I remember, and wasn't able to play six and seven. I would say that Rockets team was his best chance to win it. I agree. I agree. 100%. If he could have gotten past the Warriors, I think they could have won it. They'd have beat the Cavs. And I think that his – his early years with um, his early years with the uh, the Clippers and his early kind of years with the with the Clippers, the second team. You know what? That team reminded me a lot of even the the kind of the modern day Grizzlies. You had your superstar Crest Paul, Blake Griffin was you know your freak athlete DeAndre Jordan. Um, I would say I'd kind of put 
um, you know, Jaron and maybe Brandon Clark, maybe Adams, those three kind of lumped them in that role with those guys. Maybe not as explosive, obviously, as Blake Griffin with the highlight plays, but just a team that seemed like to be built for just the day-to-day grind of the NBA season, but just couldn't couldn't figure it out when the playoffs came. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's just it, – it's one of those things. I, I really think the time probably passed for him to get a championship, but one of the greats to never won, won one. Number nine, Carmelo Anthony. Um, you know, he ring chased there in his later years and just wasn't ever really able to get over the hump. He kind of came into his own in Denver at the worst time because that was kind of Kobe's second prime of his career. Yep. There, it, was, it was the prime for the number 24 Kobe there when Anthony really had those nuggets rolling. I think AI was – I mean, when him and AI and J.R. Smith were all on the same team, I mean, they were a good bunch there. They were, fun. they were fun to watch. I forget about J.R. being on that team. And no. Birdman. Birdman was on that team. Now, that was early, early uh, J.R., if I remember. Or remember I can't remember who their other big was on that team. Kenyon Martin. Oh, didn't they have a Danilo Gallinari? Yeah, they had a young Gallinari, but I think Kenyon Martin was their other Kenyon big. Kenyon Martin, that's right. I forgot about him. They were loaded. Man, that's a squad right there, if you think about it. So, you know, I, I just – That was probably the best chance he had to win, don't you think? Yeah, Melo yeah, exactly. was a heck of a player. But just, uh, you know, just – it's like I said, just kind of came along at the wrong time, you know, came along when the the Lakers were kind of in that – in their next prime. I'm actually wrong. Uh, AI was not on those Nuggets teams. Their point guard was Chauncey Billups. Chauncey Billups, that's right. Ne- that's a name I hadn't seen in a long time. Nene. Uh, Nene, that's right. I forgot he was on that. No, you're right. He was on that team, Nene. He was good, too. So they're starting a lineup in those finals. Chauncey Billups, Carmelo Anthony, Kenyon Martin, Nene, and Dante Jones. Dante Jones. But what he only smart. played like 12 minutes. JR basically was the other guard. George Carl coaching? Yep. The squad. I liked I liked them back in the day. So Denver, Denver's in the Denver finally made it that makes their yeah. uh, finals appearance. Absolutely. So number eight on the list, James Harden. And I think we all can be in agreement here. If those, if that Thunder team stays together in OKC, all of them till 2016, they win a championship. I, he's got a ring if that's the case. That's a shame. That's a shame it ended like that, you know, because that was heck, man. That's just unreal to have those guys on one. Who was their owner? Uh, well, it's, it's uh, Bennett, Clay Bennett. Is he still in OKC? Still the owner. Well, what a, what a, I mean, and those guys were all drafted. Yeah. They that were all drafted un- by OKC. That is unreal. Technically, one of them was drafted by the Seattle Supersonics. Yeah, but still, that's just – that's unreal to get those guys all on one team. Well, but, I mean, you look at it, look, Sam Presti, who we say is one of the best GMs of all time, he was the GM then, so he made the choice to trade Harden. And you got to give LeBron some credit. We, You know, people hate on LeBron, you know – they because they were kind of downplaying that they were saying that that first championship he got with the Miami Heat, that's you know that second year against OKC, you know that that Thunder team wasn't good. They weren't ready, which they probably weren't ready to win. But look, you beat Durant, uh, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook all on the same team. I mean, that's a pretty and beat them four one, right? I think. Did they beat him in four one? They beat him in four two. No four one. You're right. Yeah. So okay. I mean, see one game one. That's right. That's right. Like okay. See one game one of that series. Yeah. That's a. But that's you know that's a, looking back. It's it's just crazy how much basketball's changed. We were spoiled back in the day too. You know, we didn't even realize it. You know, with some of the talent that was together absolutely not i know i didn't number seven on the list patrick ewing 
the dominator inside. You know, Ewing, he just, he's won another one. He came up in the wrong era. He comes up with Michael. You know, and, and again, also the Knicks were hot garbage for most of the time he was there in the 80s. But, you know, he finally gets Pat Riley there in the mid-90s. They look like they have a chance there. I think they're up. Are they up 3-1? No, they're up 2-0. They're up 2-0 heading back to Chicago for game. We're going back, going back to Chicago. Yeah, and that, that would have been game – that would have been 93. They're going back to Chicago up 2-0 in game three of the 93 East Conference Finals. You know, I mean, that that was – you know, they had a shot. They had a shot, and then again, you look 99, they make the um, finals. But, of course, Ewing's hurt in 99, so they really never stood a chance against the Spurs. Yeah. I will say, I think their best chance was was 94. You know, they're playing the Rockets. Michael's not there. You know, they're, they're playing a Rockets team they should have beaten. They were better than. And that was that was truly Patrick Ewing's best chance to get to get an NBA championship. Yeah. It was on that Rockets team again? That would have been Elijah Wan. I believe Sam Cassell might have been on that team. No, uh, Kenny or Greg Anderson. Or Kenny Anderson, okay. one of those one of those guys was point guard on that team. But I need to look at that Rogers team. That's that '94 season is you know one that you forget about. You know, just because my there with the Bulls, you know. Yeah. So number six on the list, Reggie Miller, another guy who kind of came into the wrong time. He was in the Eastern Conference when Michael was in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, I think everybody kind of thought their time was 90, was 98. You know, they they pushed the Bulls to a game seven and are leading, I believe, in the fourth quarter of that game seven. They're leading. Um, you know, Reggie, hit that big shot. Yeah. And then, you know, Reggie gets to the finals and I guess that was 2000. And probably had the better team, but obviously run up against the Lakers. And um, I think they played the Lakers in the 2000 finals. I'm not 100% sure, but yeah, they did. It was the Lakers. And I think they led. Yeah. They were up at some point in that series. They were up, I believe. Was Lection Who? Larry that year still? Larry? Yeah, Larry was still their coach. Yeah, two thousand. Okay, yeah. So it was LA won the first two, Indiana won the third, LA won the fourth, Indiana actually won in LA and had game six to tie. No, my bad. It was a two three two format. So it was Lakers won the first two in LA. They won the uh Indiana won two of three in Indiana and the Lakers won game six. But you know, again, it's another guy that kind of comes up into the in the wrong time. Right. Number five. You're right. John Stockton. Probably the coldest. Like we're on a team here, right? Probably the coldest <laughs> white guard of all here. Yeah, probably the coldest white point guard of all time. Just a uh, an absolute killer in that pick and roll with Carl Malone. Just, I mean, they just shredded teams, but. You know, you look back to those teams, those Rockets – they're not Rockets, those Jazz teams, and, you know, they really weren't ever able to get over the hump. They lost so many times in the conference finals in the 90s that by the time they got there in 97, you know, they weren't old by any stretch of the imagination, but you probably kind of thought they may be a little bit past their prime by 97. Right. Which year do you think it was their chance to win? That 97 year? No, I think their year was 98. I mean, they I think they had beaten yeah. the Bulls in every game in 98. I think they won. I think they swept the season. Yeah. And then and then Scotty, Scotty hurt his back in game game six, you know? So well, Mike, 
you know, I mean, Michael at that point, I I think most people, and I think you we you listen, I've listened to it. I think even the Bulls have said it. Like they thought that series was going seven games. And at that point, you're still in a two-three-two format in the finals. So game seven would have been in Utah. So, you know, it would have just been an interesting, uh, interesting thing to see uh, game seven because I think it would have been only the second or third time. Are you talking about, are you talking about 98? Yeah, 98. I think 98 was their best chance. Yeah, but remember, they won game six in uh, – they won game six in you, – because you remember Jordan said it was only packed in one – is that right? No. Utah lost game six. Game six is when the finals ended. Jordan never had a seven-game finals. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He won yeah, game, game six in Yeah, in they won game six in Utah. That's what I said. The finals were oh, – would have been – Game seven would have still been in Utah. Correct, because Utah won game five in, yeah. in That makes sense, because you said the 2-3-2, two, three, two, two, the 3-2, yeah. that makes sense. So number four on the list is a player uh, some people may not remember. He obviously played back in the 60s and 70s, but that's Elgin Baylor. Elgin went 1-1 in the draft. He um, had a great career with the Lakers. But, again, we talk about it all the time. Guys who came up in the wrong era. Elgin Baylor comes up in the wrong era. Lakers get to the finals eight times with Elgin Baylor. Guess how many times they lost in the finals? Eight. Elgin was a great player. You know, just he had some injuries there later in his career that really, I think, kind of hurt him. And technically speaking, he did win a ring, but he also retired at the beginning of the season. So he was not playing in those 72 finals when the Lakers finally did win the what did win an NBA championship. Right. He's on this list. I'm guessing the Celtics won. Celtics won all of them? Yeah. Celtics won every last one of them. And people forget, people forget how truly just elite those Celtics teams were for so many years. I mean, you can, you know, you have to go up against Bill Russell, who most people think was one of the best basketball Russell. players of all time. He's forgotten about. Talk about him enough. NBA champion Celtics won it in 59, 60, 61, 62, 63, 64, 65, 66. They didn't win it in 67. I don't know who won it. They may not have played the NBA that year for all I know. And then they won it again in 68 and 69. I mean, that's just absolutely elite. Yeah, that's unreal. So number three three on the list, a guy we talked about a little bit earlier, but, again, one top ten point guards of all time, the answer, Allen Iverson. Now, Iverson never won a finals. But it may be argued he has the most iconic NBA Finals moment of all time outside of the LeBron Game 7 block. But That's right. And oddly enough, the, a guy who was in a part of that game is also a part of his moment as he hits the shot and just steps right – just stomps over Tyron Lue in what – many have said may be one of the top moments of the NBA Finals, at least the picture of that moment. What do you think does to AI when he sees them? I don't know. Probably thank you for making me you know, a meme for all time. Hey, I guess any publicity – or I guess these good publicity, right? Correct. I think we talked about it earlier. <laughs> any, any publicity is good publicity. But, you know, again, AI kind of – you talk about it. And it's, it came up – and I, I, maybe it's not great to say all these guys just came up in the wrong era. But, I mean, you look at 
it seems like every generation since Michael has had this iconic star. And they've had this one super team with, you know, and you look at it, Chris Paul. Who is it with Chris Paul? Golden State. Who is it with half the guys on this list? It's Michael. But who is it with a guy like AI? Right. Kobe. It's the Lakers. They couldn't get past the Lakers. Yeah. And again, that team was solely built it. on AI. So that was also kind of hard. But, uh, again, one of the great players in, in the game. I always think about AI's. Yeah, the, the practice quote, I think, would probably live in infamy. I was going to say just his crossover. His crossover on my plate. You don't realize how many times I've watched that. Imitate it. it's, it's unreal. He put him on some skates. Quick. His crossover was unreal. AI's ability to elevate to his jump shot, though, was just one of – I mean, it was amazing to watch. He was he was sneaky on just how you – know, how well he could jump and how high he jump. Because he yeah. – there's no way he'd be tall. No, I think he's probably 5'11", 5 5 but he'd jump out of the gym. They forget he could dunk. But moving on to number two on the list, the round mound of rebound, Charles Barkley. And Charles, yeah, Charles, uh, man, he, uh, Charles probably could have won an NBA championship, but the problem was, Charles didn't want to be in Philadelphia. He wanted to get traded. And then he got traded to Phoenix. He was elite, won an MVP in Phoenix. Then he didn't want to be in Phoenix. He got traded to Houston right after they'd won two finals and never won one in Houston. Right. But I, I think people nowadays forget. Charles has a little. I think nowadays people forget. What are you saying? How, yeah, I think people forget nowadays just how good Charles was. Like, Charles was a great basketball player. He won an MVP in 93. Yeah. Yeah, he's underrated. I, and they, I, told he's in, they knew Charles won it in 93, and he he came after. Um, but – Yeah, he really came after. underrated. Charles scored, scored, Charles scored 46 in game two. He really got after him. I think that's probably series that final. Yeah, I, I think that's probably one that Michael said, oh, we got after, he got after. Barkley got what he wanted in those finals. He just was not guarding Michael Jordan in the finals, so he couldn't really affect it that way. And he just didn't have he just didn't have the guys around eat it, you know? Yeah, he didn't have anybody around him or enough of them. everybody else. Yeah. But, but I think his his play does got him now because he's still such in the spotlight, great entertainer on commercials, and also so wonderful and and uh, uh, that was a bad joke, don't you think, Rob? Nah, <laughs> he's on TV all the time. I think I'm just saying I think we'll forget how good of a basketball player he was. Yeah, well. You know, this generation, our generation. Really remember him because they don't remember him as Charles Barkley, the basketball player. They remember him as Charles Barkley, the announcer, or Charles Barkley, the awful golfer. Right. That's exactly right. But number one on the list, um, I don't think anybody forgets how good of a basketball player this guy was. It's Carl Malone. Carl was elite for years and years and years. He obviously had the great tandem with John Stockton in Utah. And just, you know, he really – I think he won the MVP in 98. 97 or 98, he won the MVP of the league. Uh, you know, but I, I think he – again, he's kind of one of those things where he just ran up against the greatest player of all time. You know, Bart – you know, 
it just every it seems like a lot of the guys on this list, whether it's Carl, whether it's Charles, whether it's John Stockton, Reggie Miller, Patrick Ewing, they all unfortunately had to run up against Michael. And Michael was not going to lose. It's like BJ Armstrong said after 92, Michael stopped playing basketball. He just found ways to win. And then that's that's what happened in all these finals. He wasn't playing basketball, he was just finding ways to win. And unfortunately, it came at the behest of yeah. probably six of the top 25, 30 players of all time. Yeah. What year did uh, uh, MVP? Was that 98? Okay. He was either 97 or 8. Well, and then, you know, with Carl, there was the year that he went to play for the Lakers. That one year he went to play for the Lakers where everybody was sure they were going to win the championship. And then Detroit and their defense got in there and just screwed everything up. So he won it in 96. You're right. When did he win it? 96, 97. Okay, so he won it in 97. Uh, no, he – Oh, so you want it? Yeah, that's right. So they would have announced it for this, right? So yeah, yeah he won ninety six seven year, but won it in won it in ninety nine. He won it again in ninety nine. Yeah, nineteen ninety nine. He must have won it again then, because I know he won it one of those other years. Let's see. I'll look. Yeah, he was a two-time Most Valuable Player. He won 96, 97, 98, 99. So, um, you know, again, great player. He obviously had a great career in Utah. I think he only played – he only played – yeah, he only played for two teams, played for Utah and then played for the Lakers the one faithful year there with Gary Payton as well. But just a, uh, a great player, an absolute great player that just, again, came up in the wrong era. That's, but that's a pretty good. I mean, if you think about it, I think it'll be interesting to see. You know, there might be some new names to add in a couple of years. Uh, um, who knows? Who knows if the uh, Miami might keep this dynasty going? Yeah, I'll be honest. If, if Miami doesn't win this year, I might be able to add Jimmy Butler to that list. So we shall see. But I'll tell you one thing: Nikola Jokic may already be on it. But yeah, it's going to be interesting, but it'll be fun. I'm forward. We yeah, got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to talk about in a couple weeks, Rob. We do. We do. We have a lot to talk about, and we will see you for all of those episodes. But, anyways, have a great night or great morning or whenever you're listening to this. We'll talk to you again. Hopefully, Thursday could be Friday. See ya. <laughs>